At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of your Charlotte Hornets. It is both a Silver Linings edition of the HHC and a game day edition of the HHC. Hornets falling to Cleveland, 102-101, the final score will break it down from every which way. Also, Hornets are taking on the Miami Heat today, night two of a back-to-back, so we'll break down last night's game, preview tonight's game, and we've got a yellow ribbon interview to bring to you. U.S. Sergeant Major Adrian Hamrick, our guest today here on the Hornets Hivecast, the yellow ribbon recipient this week from the Charlotte Hornets. Helping me on all of these topics, he is the lead writer for Hornets.com. Sam Purley back with us for a two Sam's edition. Sam, welcome, Charlotte. A tough loss yesterday, 102 to 101. I think there's two ways to look at this from most of the reaction, as you would imagine, on Twitter. The focus is on the one that is centered around the refs, and we'll talk about that a little bit. The other one is, this was a really close game, it's a make-miss league, and while Cleveland didn't necessarily shoot the lights out in this one, the Hornets had two long droughts in this game, they're called the second and third quarters, that left Cleveland room to get this win. If Charlotte shoots anywhere near their normal average, if they have anywhere near their normal offense, this isn't a close game. The Hornets should run away with it. But the fact that they combined for 34 points in the second and third quarters seemed to do them in. It was a really strange game. I think that's the way to put it. I think there was like kind of different parts of it. You obviously had the first three quarters where the Hornets really struggled offensively, got into that fourth quarter. You got the comeback. They were down 17, managed to pull ahead by three in that final minute, and then just some you know bad bounces some interesting you know the way things kind of played out there down in the fourth quarter yeah overall kind of a tough tough loss for Hornets but like you said I think you look at that box score I don't think necessarily look at the one point loss you look at those middle two quarters I think that's where decided the game I think when you fall down by 17 there's 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter your margin for error is virtually zero whether it's in your control or it's sometimes in in sports as we know there's sometimes things just not in your control you just you don't leave yourself that much air if you have that much deficit to overcome. So, yeah, obviously a tough loss. I'm still kind of trying to wrap my head around just because it was such a weird game the way everything kind of played out. 102 to 101, the final score. Hornets with the loss fall to 28 and 25 now on the season. 102 to 101, the final score. Hornets shot the ball really well in the fourth quarter, played with really great energy in the first quarter. But that kind of pretties up what was otherwise a a tough shooting day at the office. Hornets 32% from beyond the arc, 14 of 43. Did do a good job at the foul 
foul line going 11 for 12. But, you know, the interior shooting is not a shock because Cleveland is a huge team with an exceptional defensive front led by Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. So you would imagine it's going to be tough to finish at the rim. The three-point shooting surprised me. Even though Terry Rozier got hot late, 4 of 14 from three is not his normal percentage. Kelly Oubre hit some clutch threes. 4 of 13 is not his normal percentage. LaMelo Ball and P.J. Washington, they were each 2 for 3. Gordon Hayward, 3 of 13 from the field, 1 for 5 from beyond the arc in his return. Miles Bridges only attempted 1-3. He didn't make it. He's been struggling from distance as of late. So the two-point struggles, not a surprise to me. The three-point shooting, I think you can make an argument that did the Hornets in, especially since the Cavs did shoot well from beyond the arc. Yeah, the three-point shooting was uh, was a little odd. I thought the looks were good. I thought they were getting good looks and just not dropping. They were moving the ball. And I think when you're not able to hit shots like that, it kind of, um, I mean, looking at kind of the shot chart with the paint, they were 20 of 42 in the paint. So a little over 50% or a little under 50% and then 17 of 30 at the rim. And you knew that was going to be a real challenge against Allen and Mobley. And I think they got it going, obviously. They didn't take a whole lot of free throws because I think maybe they were, you were trying to... We'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not jumping the gun. That was more just an observation. I wasn't be indicating anything at all but um, I think maybe not being nearly as aggressive I think was part of the reason for the low free throws I, think you're, I mean he took 43 three-point shots they got going there at the end but yeah just still kind of a, a weird game what one last thing on the the non-officiating side of this and we will dig into it for those of you that uh, want want some red meat there I thought coming into this game there were going to be two clear path storylines to why one team won or lost in blowout fashion. If this came down to rebounding, particularly offensive rebounding, the storyline would be Cleveland is huge. They've got all these seven footers. They dominated the glass and they ran away with the win despite having a lot of premier guards injured and out for this one. If the Hornets were able to turn the tempo up and have you know, a, a two to one fast break point advantage over Cleveland, the storyline would be flipped. Cleveland's out all these guards. Hornets took advantage, turned up the pace, and outran Cleveland. Quite frankly, neither of those happened. Charlotte did a good job on the glass. Jared Allen, 22 rebounds, career high 29 points. He was brilliant, but the Hornets kept everyone else in check. Let him go nuts. No one else really had a good day on the glass. Hornets inevitably win the glass and were even an offensive rebound. So that's a wash. Fast break points, I think the Hornets had an advantage of two, which is really no advantage at all. So the Hornets did not capitalize on turnovers or fast breaks the way they would like to. Cleveland didn't capitalize on the glass. That turns it into a shooting competition. But there are some fouls to talk about here. Let's preface this part of the conversation with this. There was a correction made already from last night's game. No, it's not the one you think. It's not from down the stretch. The officials said that the four-point swing, the call that allowed Terry Rozier's corner three, which was missed to count, plus a technical foul should not have been officiated that way. If anything, it should have been a technical foul for bench interference, one free throw on the ball, but the three-pointer should not have counted. So that's three points coming off the total. That alone makes this not a one-point game anymore. So we got to put that out there. But at the time the, the game was going down to the wire, that's way back in the rearview mirror now. So there are two calls that I think are really at issue here. One is the foul that wasn't called. Gordon Hayward going for a rebound on the basically last possession for the Hornets. He's going for the ball. Isaac Okoro wraps him up, bear hugs him, arm bars him, both. Here's what Gordon Hayward had to say after the game about that sequence going for the rebound. Yeah, I mean, I got fouled. Um, they didn't call it. So uh, he definitely grabbed me. Felt like he, you know, it felt like it was a foul. They didn't call it. So 
it is what it is. That's the foul that wasn't called. On the other end, after a missed shot, Kevin Love secures the rebound, the offensive rebound, with under two seconds remaining, and is granted a shooting foul when he's been in contact with Terry Rozier the entire time. I personally don't have a huge problem with there being a foul called there. I think it's pretty poorly officiated to say he was in a natural shooting motion at that time. Either one, I think, is not a good call. Them put together, I think, is an awful call, and the free throws just don't match up here. So that's my opinion. We've already established the three-pointer shouldn't have counted, and maybe the score should have been different. But those two plays, no call when Gordon Hayward's being taken out from a rebound, and then you call a shooting foul on basically a rebound for Kevin Love that gives him an opportunity to win the game, take a, a win from the jaws of defeat. Those two were pretty blatant to me. Yeah, a lot to unpack there. I would Starting with the Terry Regier thing, one, I've never seen anything like that before, and it was hard to kind of tell because you couldn't really hear the whistle of whoever had the rebound if he stepped out of bounds first and to be fair and I know there's probably not what you want to hear it did feel like momentum really shifted on that play because it was I think to the Cavs credit I think they were very upset and I think sometimes when you have a call like that go against you and it's so kind of weird and and one-sided that it can kind of throw you off momentum there's no way to really quantify that necessarily but I think that certainly helped catalyze the Hornets comeback attempt getting a big four-point possession on one side of the play that being said it was probably seven eight minutes left in the quarter there's Still plenty of basketball to go to kind of make up for the Cavs still had I think they still got to up to six seven eight points at that point so you know it's unfortunate because I think every team at some point you're gonna have a game or a couple games a season where it comes down to a couple plays and a call here or there is the difference in the Hornets maybe tonight or, or last night were on the bad end of it and then there's gonna be games undoubtedly the season we're on the right side of it and there's just they kind of hopefully balance out you're gonna have a couple it's not the fun answer because obviously we wanted to win last night but that's kind Kind of how I see it. I, I definitely agree. I think Gordon got wrapped up by a coro. I think it's you know he grabs that rebound, or at least very least you whistle it. You know, you're inbounding with 10 seconds left. You foul. Hopefully you hit both free throws and you're up three, and it's kind of a much harder for the Cavs on the other end. And then the last one, I just I've never seen. I've just never seen it where they've the horn is is officially sounded and they go back and review something without the other team proactively challenging I thought was just interesting I'd never seen it before well there was a whistle and credit the fans who were fantastic last night at Spectrum Center hats off and hopefully it's that way uh, the rest of this homestand including tonight against the heat but it was so loud there that most people I'm sure I'm sure did not hear the whistle but there was one there was a whistle before it so you know it is what it is I again I think individually those two calls are poor I think collectively it's awful. And we'll be interested to see what the two-minute report reflects on it uh, later on today. Time to hand out silver linings for this one. Sam Perley, you're officially the guest. Who do you like as your silver lining? My silver lining is going to go to P.J. Washington. I think obviously the Hornets had a lot of challenges with Jarrett Allen last night. 29 points, 22 rebounds. I think third career 2020 game. But I thought P.J. was really good. Kind of held his own. Was 3 of 4 from the field. Only had 8 points, but was a plus 13. That was the best on the team. He had 9 rebounds. I thought he did a really good job of making his presence felt in the paint. He made things harder on Allen. I mean, it's just not easy. I mean, he was so on and so dominant in this game. And I think the Hornets got into some early foul trouble with him and it just kind of really affected how they had to guard him. I think 
Mason had a couple fouls in the first two minutes of the of the first quarter. So PJ obviously had the big two, the two threes down the stretch. He hit one to bring the team within three, another one in the next position to tie it, and then Kelly's three to go ahead with 40 seconds left. So PJ made some big shots, very productive off the bench. I would agree with you. I think that's a good pick. Look, Jared Allen was a beast. He had a career-high 29 points, but he had 11 before P.J. Washington ever got in the game. Mason Plumlee had some good plays, too, against Allen, but I think in tandem they were better than individually uh, against him. And, and P.J. Washington coming in certainly changed things for Allen a little bit. 18 points the entire three-and-a-half quarters after uh, P.J. Washington started to get involved there into the rotation. My pick for a silver lining is Kelly Oubre Jr. Seven on the timer. He's one-on-one with Mobley. Tries to take him off the dribble. Head fake. Kick out. Oubre. Corner three for the lead. Yes, sir! Rip that at cord! Kelly Oubre Jr. connects! And the Hornets are back on top with 46 seconds to go! Unfortunately, that was all for the Hornets offensively, but what a sequence it was. Great plays on both ends by Miles Bridges. Kelly Oubre Jr. just coming through in the clutch. And I referenced earlier, he didn't shoot the ball particularly well on the night. 7 of 19 from the floor, 4 for 13 from 3. But when it counted... Man, did he come through, and that's the shooter's job. Shooter's job is to shoot. No matter what you did the previous 12, you got to believe number 13's going in, and Kelly Oubre was able to connect there. Gave the Hornets the lead, a chance to win. Unfortunately, it doesn't end up coming to fruition. They fall 102 to 101. Not a whole lot of time to dwell on this one, and we do have some really good news to report from yesterday. All season long, the Hornets are honoring our veterans here locally in Charlotte, uh, specific ones in our Yellow Ribbon program. And we've got last night's honoree with us today here on the Hornets Hivecast. Our conversation with him coming up next here on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta. I get allergy care from the doctors at Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates who know how to treat me, not just my symptoms. Now that my allergies are under control, I can ride my bike whenever I want, just like I did as a kid. Senta offers allergy testing and a wide range of treatment in North and South Carolina. Play like you once did. Schedule your appointment today at ceenta.com slash appointments. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. They just make sense. Welcome back to the Hornets Hivecast. The Charlotte Hornets Yellow Ribbon Program honors military veterans and retirees for their unwavering service to our country and their impact in the community. The Yellow Ribbon Program recognizes one of these heroes during Hornets home games throughout the season. This week, our honoree is U.S. Army Sergeant Major Adrian Hamrick, and he's kind enough to join us here on the Hornets Hivecast. Sergeant Major Hamrick, thanks so much for your service, and thanks for being with us here on the Hornets Hivecast. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me. You enlisted in 1982. What led to your decision to join the military back then? Well, I was influenced by my dad's service. My father served in the Korean War, and he was a machine gunner. And the few times I ever heard him talk about his time in service, it made me feel proud. You know, I just saw how proud he was talking about it. So I just wanted to be like my dad. And that led me to joining the Army with the desire of being a machine gunner. And you held all kinds of roles in the military and the Army. You were an airborne ranger, jump master, drill sergeant. You served at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, been deployed overseas to Europe, Central and South America, the Middle East. So many experiences. But what's one lesson that only your experience in the military could have taught you? Well, there's been a lot of lessons, but to narrow it down, it'll be just consideration of others. While serving in the military, 
I serve with people from all walks of life, all races, all religion, all types of beliefs. But we came together under really seven core values, loyalty, duty, respect, honor, integrity, personal service, and selfless service. And with those common core values and principles, we all came together with one thing in mind, and that's defending Americans, defending America and America's interests, and just providing peace around the world. I don't think any other experience would allow me to work in such a diversified atmosphere with one common goal where everybody wants to accomplish that and just the loyalty to each other. I don't think another experience I could experience that anywhere else. And then the other thing is just the, especially as a drill sergeant or later on as a leader, just the idea that anyone can become anything they want to become by just training, development, proper instruction, or just having some type of guidance to accomplish whatever it is that you want to desire, whether it be a soldier, professional athlete, a teacher, anything, just so the, the stages of development. There's a start point, and it doesn't happen overnight. Just stay a course, get a sense of direction. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. But if you stay the course, you accomplish what you so desire. You know, Sergeant Major Hamburg, between the pillars you mentioned and what your takeaways were from your experience, you described as eloquently as I've heard any coach, you know, some of the foundations and what you're, you're hoping to impart on young people. And that makes sense because since you retired after more than 25 years of service back in 2009, included on your career path was being a coach. You were a basketball coach in the AAU and the high school level. Tell us about your career path after retiring and maybe put on your coach's cap and let us know what you think of this year's Hornets team. Wow. Thank you. Coaching. What motivated me to coach? One is I understood development. But being a coach, there's a lot of coaches and trainers. And I'm, I'm, I think this is a great time to just thank USA Basketball for their coaches' curriculum, their development system. It's similar to our system in the military. But they give us tools, us coaches, tools to actually be excited about taking kids that are interested in whatever sport, just like in school, we're an extension of the teachers and the parents as coaches. But they give us a start point, a foundation level. They give us a system of development that you can develop, but you got to have a great foundation. And that foundation starts off with character building. One thing in the Army that we always used was proper doctrine. And USA Basketball, especially uh, on that committee, Shane Battier from Duke University, have a great curriculum out there and it, at the end when you take some kids some youth eight years old to 18 years old and you develop them and you follow that system you're not just developing sports specific or athletes you're developing student athletes because the same characteristics and traits that it takes to coach and to train are the same characteristics and traits it takes to be successful in the classroom successful in corporate America, successful on college campuses, and turn into successful future fathers, mothers, community leaders, or what have you. When you have a sense of direction, there is no way you can fail. And I will take this opportunity to thank Jermaine Jackson and LaMelo Ball 101 Elite for allowing me to be a part of their organization.
I think they should be thanking you just as much. Amazing your service to our community. Beyond the X's and O's, what are you trying to impart on the young people you work with, both in coaching and just in general in your community? Beyond the X's and O's, what I'm trying to impart upon the young folk is character building, leadership, and Americanism. I have a nonprofit called Seal Prep 501C3 that Seal S E A L stands for Student Explore Athlete Leader. What I try to do is try to support their public education or a homeschool education under students. What are those precepts under Explore? And when I talk about Explore, I'm talking about entrepreneurism. I'm talking about those things separate from the needs of the classroom or your sports specific that you're doing to separate you from your peers. And then the A is athletic. Give you a system of development and your sports specific, but you don't have to play sports. You just want to be physical fit. Seal, we have courses that we do set up with obstacle courses to support just staying fit. And then leadership, which we pride ourselves on leadership, teaching the youth what is it to be a leader? What are the factors of leadership? What is responsibility? What are the stages of maturity? Not by age, not by grade, but by stage of development. That's beyond the X's and O's. That's what I try to do. Teach them service, giving back to the community. What what are to expect on a college campus? Different things like that. And home economics, how to take care of your own house, your own room, those type of things. And we introduce them to workforce development so that, by the time you leave to go to college, you know what to expect, or if you don't go to college, whatever route you take, that you're more prepared to operate as an adult by the time you're 17 and leaving high school. Tell me, what are some of the other things you've been doing, and why is it so important to you to give back to the community, even after a 25-plus year career giving back already to this country by serving in the military? Well, you know, when I joined the Army, there was a commercial about the Army being an adventure, And for me, it was actually an adventure. But coming home to Charlotte back in about 2008, I saw the conditions that was going on in my hometown, which I'm proud of. And I've witnessed the improvement that the world had done around the world, but I didn't see it in my community. And I didn't want to complain. I looked back at my senior leaders and I looked at my family situation with my younger kids and I talked to out there talking with a lot of people, I said, what I desire the most is to go back to Charlotte and to help that population in which I came from and put a sense of direction and just say what I learned in the military, that we all have greatness in us. We just got to figure out what that is and how to wake that up. And so I've been a part of several organizations, Cedars with a Norton testimony. I was a board member with a responsibility of trying to help those folks that It just seemed like the system forgot. Homeless families living in cars, homeless people, homeless children. We work with those guys trying to help pay their bills, help keep people housed, help get people out of their cars, into houses, get people fed that's just on the street. Those people that programs just, for whatever reason, just forgot. I also work with some of the youth. I had a great conversation several years ago with Sheriff McFadden who enlightened me on the conditions and his concerns with the youth and the community. And I left there and said, okay, now I found another call. So I've taught a lot of youth, some workforce development, youth in a lot of different organizations around 
here in Charlotte. A lot of kids that was just lost, they just no one ever told them how to, you know, get a job, how to how to take a interview. In Shelby, North Carolina, at Six Boat Drive, I um, used some of these kids, and we went and built a house down there for battered women and women on substance abuse at that time. I was just so excited just to do something for people that just don't know where their help come from. I personally didn't do it for any notoriety. It was probably therapy. People didn't know, most people didn't know that I'm not proud of it, but I suffer from a mental uh, health issue, traumatic brain injury that I acquired in the Army, and that was therapy for me to continue to serve but see the direct impact of my service. And what I really enjoy doing is actually feeding the homeless. And just it's like a battle drill in the military, just setting up, feeding, talking with people, not just feeding, but talking with people, meeting new people. There's some very interesting people that live in our shelters, that live on our streets. A lot of people that I've got to learn so much stuff about just being around the people just everyday people. A lot of people that folks forgot, I've learned that most of them have some type of mental health issue, not so much need to be policed, but need to be treated, be a part of something. Well, Sergeant Major Hamrick, it is really an inspiration to get to talk to you. We appreciate so much your service, both in the military and since your retirement. And it is our honor to honor you as a recipient in the Charlotte Hornets Yellow Ribbon Program. Thanks so much for spending some time with us today here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Coming up next, we preview tonight's Hornets matchup with the Miami Heat right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets fans, it's time to get some new gear. The best selection of new and classic Hornets apparel is at the Hornets Fan Shop, now with new extended hours. Stop by Spectrum Center Wednesday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. to pick up the latest in jerseys, Jordans, and more. Or you can shop from the comfort of your own home 24-7 with just a click of a button at HornetsFanshop.com. An easy trip on the light rail, you'll be sure to find something for everyone at the Hornets Fan Shop. Mentally, we got to let this go tonight, come back tomorrow, ready to get another win. Sam Farber, Sam Purley here with you on the Hornets Hivecast. That was Kelly Oubre, and players always seem to have the right mindset, Sam Purley. They, they let these things go a lot quicker than fans do and reporters do and broadcasters do. Sometimes we dwell on them a little bit longer, and, and there's a reason for that. There are very important games where you'll see guys really take it hard, but most of the season, there's either another game tomorrow or the day after that. So you got to let it go, good or bad or otherwise, and get ready for the next one. Hornets are doing that after a 102-101 loss yesterday to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Tonight, they will host the Miami Heat's second matchup of the season between these two. The first one happened way back in October. Uh, It's the first of two that will happen here in the month of February, three in total between now and the end of the season. A lot of things to look at in this one. Player for each side as well as a stat to watch, but before we get there, you know, one other thing on this game and what it means here for the Hornets. I thought coming into this stretch of four games, this homestand, that this was an opportunity. You're at home. Home court advantage has been huge. This is what you've been playing for all season. This is what you've been waiting for. The The home games are finally here, and it's time to, to see what you can do. So uh, last night, if a call gets changed, 
maybe it's a Hornets win by one versus a loss by one, and you're feeling a little bit differently. But ultimately, for this homestand, I still feel this is a great opportunity. You know, going two and two here would be a little disappointing. I think there's a good chance here to win three straight. It starts tonight against Miami. So this is a really important game for the Hornets. Home court advantage has been big for any team in the history of basketball that's going to be a playoff squad, and it needs to be here tonight for Charlotte as they take on Miami. All right, all that's been said. Players to watch, one for each side, as well as a stat to watch. Sam Perley, you lead it off. Well, I'm fired up now. I mean, that was a great motivational speech. I've completely forgotten about all that Cavs loss and the call, weird calls at the end and losing by one. So, yeah, just to, real quick on what you said, you know, obviously this homestand is challenging. You're looking at teams right now that are in that, you know, top six, playing game, kind of, you know, jockeying for positioning and stuff. And But that's what you want. You don't automatically, you know, just because the team finished eighth or ninth, it just doesn't naturally happen. You get up to in playoff position. I mean, you got to go out there and earn it. I mean, it's going it, it, JB even said after the game, this is this is going to be hard. So looking into the heat, guy I'm going to watch, Tyler Hero in Miami, one of the best bench scorers in the NBA. I think he actually leads the league in bench scoring for players that have at least 30 appearances off the bench. He's averaging about 20 on 44 and 40% shooting. Kelly Oubre is actually third in that category. So he's kind of like the guy to watch. I'm looking at those two big time bench scores. Hero over his last six is averaging 16 and a half points, only shooting 27% from three. So hopefully the Hornets can kind of keep him cooled off in that reserve unit. I love Tyler Hero. I think he is the runaway favorite right now for sixth man of the year. All due respect to Kelly Oubre, but the stats that Hero is putting up combined with the fact that that's the number one team right now in the Eastern Conference or one of the top two teams in the Eastern Conference, that puts him in the driver's seat for the award. I think the only thing that takes him out is if there's some kind of injury and he starts starting games and is no longer a sixth man. That that might be it. My player to watch for this one for Miami is Jimmy Butler. He's an all-star once again. I think there was a little bit of an argument against him for the award because of how many games he has missed. It's almost 20 games, but in terms of what he does when he's on the floor, he's clearly an all-star. And uh, he's put together a, a really strong season. He had a good game against Charlotte earlier this year going for 32 points uh, in the win over Charlotte. Uh, he has dealt with some recent injuries and absences, but he came back the other day against San Antonio, posted 17 points, and I think similarly to Gordon Hayward, where we're looking for Game 2 to be the time where his shooting starts to come back. Similar things true for Jimmy Butler. He missed a a game about a week ago against Boston. Next day back, he had a tough shooting day. Most recent one, really good shooting performance. He hasn't shot the ball well from three, I will say that. So trying to get him to settle for threes would be an advantageous thing, but Jimmy Butler, my player to watch for Miami. You want to go with a Hornet or a stat to watch next? All right, my stat to watch is going to be turnovers. I think this was an issue in the Boston game, less of an issue with the Hornets. Last night they had, I think, seven in the second quarter. That was not good. They had 10, I think, at halftime, finished only with 14. So cleaned up the ball security. Right now they are third in the NBA in turnover percentage at 12.8%. Meanwhile, for Miami, they are 27th in turnover percentage, down at 15.4%. Coincidentally, tied with Cleveland as well, who's also at 15.4%. I think you got to win that turnover battle, generate some turnovers. That's when we've seen when this Hornets team is at their best was when they're getting deflections, grabbing those loose balls, turning them into transition and getting easy buckets. I think, you know, obviously something is going on right now with the half court offense. It's just not hitting shots right now. I think if you can kind of get things moving in transition, that'll open things up much, much more and get that offense rolling. So I look for turnovers. Got to win the turnover margin, turnover battle, turnover margin, however you want to describe it. Yeah, I like that one. I would go one step further. I would say capitalizing better on turnovers. I think you look at last night. 
uh, Charlotte actually committed more turnovers than Cleveland did, scored more off the Cavs turnovers than than vice versa. But that needs to be an advantage. That's something the Hornets do really well. They swarm defensively. They force turnovers. They get a lot of steals. But you got to cash them in on the other end. The, the, the live ball turnovers or killers potentially need to execute, finish those. I think if you look, turn back the clock to October, the first matchup with Miami, Charlotte forced 18 turnovers out of the Heat, only scored 16 points out of them. Miami forced 11 turnovers out of the Hornets. They got 11 points out of those two. So that, that disparity needs to be bigger. I'll go to rebounding. I think offensive rebounding and second chance points are going to be big. That first game, it was not a, a close game necessarily. It was a 15-point spread for Miami, but second chance points weren't close either. Heat were plus nine in that one. And when you look at the overall shooting percentages, Heat are not a particularly good three-point shooting team. They do a lot of good work underneath the basket, but you can't give them extra looks. If they get you know more free throws than you and more field goal attempts, they're going to make up whatever gap they end up having from distance. That's if there is one at all. So mine is offensive rebounds. Limit those opportunities. Last but not least, player to watch for the Hornets. I'm going to kind of circle it back to, I mentioned him in my my discussion of Tyler Hero, but I like to see Kelly Oubre. I think he's kind of had a weird situation. I know he was in health and safety protocols for a while, then he came back, and then he had the big game in Indiana, and then he went out with the ankle injury. I think this would be a really good time, hopefully, for Kelly to get some consistent performances together. I know you know he had the 21 points. It wasn't super efficient. I think he got rolling there in that fourth quarter, obviously hit the big go-ahead three, but I think they could really use a big punch from that bench scoring unit. I think the Hornets really missed that when he was gone, obviously missed Gordon as well, kind of organizing the offense, but I like Kelly to really kind of be a big, you know, factor tonight and hopefully get a, you know, one of those traditional Kelly performances we've seen all season long. Here's my player to watch for the Hornets. Charlotte down five, Bridges measuring up Mobley. He'll go to his right, drives behind the back dribble, goes up and throws down a thunderous two-handed jam. Twelve for Bridges. The deficit is three. Miles Bridges has not scored the ball very well the last couple of games, particularly shooting from three. I think he's one for his last 14 from distance over his last four games, 0 for his last nine. So it's been a good part of his game over the last two seasons, but he's clearly in a funk there. But I think that dunk towards the end of play and the fact of how efficient he was, 12 points on five of eight shooting, I think he he's a player who's coming in with something to prove. He did not make the All-Star team. You can call it a snub if you want. We're, we're happy to. But either way, it's motivation here for Miles Bridges. I'm looking for him to have a big game here. He's someone who, no matter who's in front of him, is capable of attacking, rising up, and dunking on whoever's in front of him. And I'm expecting at some point this three-point percentage thing to, to work itself out. He shot closer to 40%, quite frankly, last season in a different role. Now there's more volume, more three-point opportunities, but he is not a 31% three-point shooter. So I'm expecting there to be a bounce back at some point here, hopefully tonight, against the Miami Heat. It should be a lot of fun. Hornets hosting the Heat tonight. It's a big game. It's a division rivalry matchup and one that's uh, just gotten a lot more important, quite frankly, for Charlotte here as the, the Hornets have fallen now in the standings a little bit. Their record 28-25. and 25. They've got some work to do, and the opportunity is still there. They're still only a game and a half out of six, so uh, even though they're, they're falling a little bit in the standings, they're not that far off, and with all these home games on the horizon, this is the window here for Charlotte to take advantage and make a move in the Eastern Conference standings. Our thanks, as always, to Sam Lead Writer for Hornets.com. We look forward to your preview and recap later on today. 
Thank you for having me. Thanks as well to U.S. Army Sergeant Major Adrian Hamrick and our thanks to him for his service and our congrats to him as our Yellow Ribbon honoree. Thanks to our producer extraordinaire, Rob Longo, who overcame a concussion from banging his head against the wall to produce today's episode. Just kidding. We love you, Rob. Love his passion for the game. Most of all, thanks to all of you for tuning in. For everyone here, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you along, and we'll talk to you tomorrow right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit hornets.com.